in the right way. And I'm thrilled that I'm thrilled that we saw that God is faithful and um, moved in a very direct way and intervened on our behalf, kept the right people away, even though they were sure they were going to be there. They didn't arrive, some of them. And um, really, I can only say that I was amazed. Peacefulness and the way things went through and um, the fact is that God is faithful, very faithful, and he knows just what is necessary at the right time, and it was good just to be there and to see the way God moved. That's the way I felt. See, really, um, the Lord always intervenes on behalf of his saints, but sometimes it's nice to see it practically worked out, isn't it? Hmm? You see, we have a good meeting on Sunday and you think, well, why did we really get a praising in the heavenlies? What was it all for? Well, it was so that the opposition would melt. And though the opposition, some of it was there, it was amazing to see them chained. And what did they do? just gave themselves ulcers. Hmm? Because they didn't hurt anything, did they? And that's the incredible thing about it. The old newspaper man rang me today, he'd rung Ron Barnes, he'd rung Doreen Gilmore, he'd rung George Brown, he'd rung Ken Bird. He was trying to get a story. Because, you see, it went too nicely. Had to find some muck. I said to him, I said, look, what you want to do, I said, my dear friend, is you want to print what's true. It was a nice meeting. I said, there was no nastiness there, was there? And he said, no. I said, well, stop trying to rake some up. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I thought it'd be nice, just as a church, on Thursday, I'd like you all to make sure you're here by half past seven. All right, it's Thursday. Can you all do that? You'd be ready to go at half past seven. Not ready to leave, ready to go. Because uh, I felt that one of the people who's helped us so much, really, in certain ways, is Ron. You know, he's been good to us, and really, he has taken a lot of stick. And I thought it'd be nice if we just gave him a, a little presentation, something from us, just to say thank you for your help. Don't know how you feel about that but I unanimously decided it this afternoon. <laughs> so I rang him up and invited him for Thursday, half past seven, said, we'd all like you to come. And we'd just like to share our appreciation. And he said to me, you know, it's not me that's done anything, it's you people, the people that have worked. And I said, no, we'd like to, to show our appreciation. And um, I think it'll be good, don't you? Hmm? just to show our appreciation. Now, I hadn't really um, given it much thought, but I knew he liked scotch. <laughs> and that's not the material. So I couldn't think what we'd get him. And if it doesn't offend your sensibilities too much, 
I thought that something like a large bottle of Bell's whiskey, which you can't pour out, so we'll buy him a decanter to pour it in to keep. You know, it's something... Because he gets presentations of all sorts of things from schools and groups and stuff, so he's probably got about 20 things with plaques on and silver trays stuck in every corner of his room and in the loo as well, and he's put... Uh, you know, and you don't want to give something like that, do you? but something that's nice and neat and presentable. And I thought um, we'd arrange that. Does everyone feel that would be nice? I'm glad you do. Because if you didn't, we were still going to do it. Uh, it, We've got to show our appreciation. Honour to whom honour is due. And that's it. And um, I believe in that, don't you? And, you know, we can thank God that God has used him to help us. Because we'd never have got involved with the CA if it hadn't been for our dear friend Mr. Barnes inviting us to come and help him. And we wouldn't have this place and it wouldn't be as nice as it is. And George wouldn't have got involved and George's got a nice job as chairman for 12 months, which he's looking forward to with mixed anticipation. Um... I think it's good, don't you? Hmm? And I think the whole thing is nice. And I'm thrilled about it. Um, I I think too that um, it was good to see the results of all the hard work. Margaret and Sheila put in a lot of hard work to get the AGM reports ready and um, admittedly they'd shuffled them like a pack of cards when it came to financial pages and we were shooting back and forth wondering where we were going then weren't we Sheila but um, uh, <coughs> knowing she spent time in Africa I could appreciate the fact that numbers don't go one two three four they go five two seven six one <laughs> nine you know that's the way it is in Africa it's like the clocks they have You know, in Uganda, they used to turn up two hours late for a service because, I mean, no one ever gets there on time, do they, Rob, in Africa? Um, They don't in America either. Terrible ordeal going to America where you go to a salt and pepper church and they um, turn up two and a half, three hours late. I couldn't get used to that myself, but don't try it here. Um, they, they they just used to turn up at any old time and uh, the dear old pastor who, who I, I can't remember where he originated Barbados I think wasn't it love was it Barbados I can't remember where it was his parents came from but he was as bad at timekeeping which I found it terribly embarrassing to turn up to a church late and he'd say, I'll pick you up at such and such a time. And the dear brother, sure enough, he'd turn up. Um, uh, about half an hour after the service should have begun to collect us. But it wasn't too bad because when we got there, we found there were only ten people there. <laughs> they all knew his habits and didn't expect him. I want to go on with the uh, Tabernacle of David.
because really I can't resist going on because it's where we've got to now you remember we got to the point on the tabernacle of David where what was happening hmm. huh? Michael was made barren that's right I don't know where Joe was Sunday. No, we got to where Michael was. She willing to justify herself. Um, okay, and I want to talk about this dancing before God and praise. Now, dancing is um, a thing that is good to keep you fit. I remember in the early days of the church it was one of the requirements that you needed to go running every morning if you were going to keep up to a whole meeting. Um, you had to be fit. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, fit church. But uh, bodily exercise profits a little. And that's where the church got it. Paul wrote that, didn't he? So he did Timothy. So obviously it was something that... Um, you say, well, that's taken a bit out of context. Well, what other exercise did they get? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. But there you are. It's a nice idea. 1 Peter, chapter 2. You, you are a chosen generation. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. What are you? A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Now, we are told we're to show forth the praises of him. Okay? Now, if I've got to show something forth, what does it mean? It must be seen. Mustn't it? I show it forth. It's not something I hide inside. In other words, I can't be one of these people that says, Oh, I love Jesus in my heart. Um, you know, um, I don't need to talk about it because it's inside. That's a load of humbug. Um, we've got to show forth the praises. Amen? And if you turn with me to... Um, and we show forth the praises. Now, in some of your uh, margins, it'll be virtues. They've retranslated in um, Cambridge Version as virtues. And if you've got a... Uh, a terrible version like the New American Standard. I wouldn't like to say what it says. It? What it, have you got it with you? Um, <laughs> What's yours? No, it's all right. 
should have got a proper one by now. Um, if you give it here, it won't have any time to go. Stubbornness, that. Um, Is that so? I'll give you one then. Um, We show forth the praises of him. And you see, they put it in the margin virtues in the authorised version. Now, it actually is praises. Now, the thing is that, you see, people can't understand how you can show forth praises when they're not in it. It's a very difficult thing to explain to someone how you can show forth the praises of him uh, if they don't know what praise is. And in most churches, they think praise is getting up and singing hymn number so-and-so. And and the idea of getting up and really letting go is um, rather foreign. I mean, could you imagine going to a brethren church, let's say, you know, and beginning to really let rip? Um, I think they would rip you to the door. And uh, you can't praise. Go to an Anglican church and begin to sing with all your heart and set forth praises to God. I think everyone would begin to look at you. Where has he come from? Uh, Go to a Baptist church or... Uh, go to a Pentecostal church and really go from your heart and they won't understand it because it's become a formality and a ritual and when your feet your feet somehow tap don't they have you noticed uh, you just get going and um, it's maddening being upstairs really it's all wrong and if we danced enough we'd probably end up downstairs <laughs> but the thing we have to see is we've got to show forth his praises. And I want to talk about that tonight. I've got to show it forth. If you look with me in Ephesians chapter um, 1. Now a royal priesthood is called to show forth his praises. Now that is why you're a peculiar people. There's something that uh, is different about a people that will really praise God. Hmm? Something different about that people who give glory to God. And um, God's been very gracious and good to us. The newspaper man said to me, he said, tell me, how long has your church been going? I said, about four years. I think, actually, that we're coming up to our fourth anniversary, aren't we? When is that? November the 14th. We must have a party for that. Four years. No what, Jackie? Pardon? I think that to look back and think that for four years... For four years, God has has done wonderful things. How many were there at the beginning? At the beginning, beginning. One, two, three, four, eleven. 
2012. How many came soon after we began in that first year? Yeah, we doubled in size roughly, didn't we? How many came in the second year? Val did, Pete did, Albert did, Chris and Anthea, George and Rachel. Yeah, how many came in the third year? How many came in the fourth year? That's right. Uh, you see, now we've had a steady growth, haven't we? When you look at it and you see, it's been a, a, a fairly steady growth, and that's healthy, isn't it? Amen? We're in our fourth year. And uh, we just grow at a nice steady pace. We're not setting the world alight. Um, we're just going on with God. But it's, there's a wholesomeness and healthiness about it. You can get a church which blows up and expands like a mushroom and it's rather like a frog who blows out his throat and bloats himself up so the birds don't eat him. He soon deflates. Um, or it's rather like uh, you know, a mushroom. It comes up so quickly but uh, it's soon gone. I like to know that what's being built is of God and it's solid and it has healthy growth. That's growth which is uh, set in and growth which is really healthy. Don't you? That's the way it should be. And that's what God's given us and it's good that we can look back and see. And it's good to remember anniversaries. You know, God said to the children of Israel, now, every year, remember the Passover. And it's good to look back and be able to say, yeah, well, I remember that's the time when God began to move among us. And look back. It's good to have those times of remembrance. Say, so, well, the Bible says forgetting those things that are behind then, they should have forgotten the uh, Passover. They should have forgotten all the things that happened. But Paul wasn't referring to that. What he was referring to is we forget our failures. We forget our defeats. Of course we give praise to God for those things which he's done in our lives, for the glorious deliverances. But man usually dwells on his glorious failures in the past, doesn't he? I think when man looks back, he generally looks back with pessimism. But we need to look back with optimism. We need to look back and say, yeah, God did wonderful things. Amen? It's interesting when we just ask for the show of hands, to see how God had spread the coming of the people out. And sometimes my wife says to me, you know, we haven't had anyone new for a little while. And I don't get anxious about it. I say, well, lovey, they'll come. And God somehow has a way of getting them here. I don't know why they come. I mean, look at Angela over there. I mean, fancy her turning up on the doorstep. Uh, I mean, all the way. Should just come, come in our midst, that's fine. Some come, some go. Merrily went back to the States, but God just has a way of just causing the body to grow in a healthy, wholesome manner. And that is something that is always an indication of God being in the midst. And the increase in the fruit of God.
um, you know, God lets that happen. And that, I think, is something that's very blessed. And uh, we can look at lives and individuals and say, well, you know, the Lord bought them. Amen? That's what it's all about. And that's what we're to praise him for. We're to praise him for that which he's done, for that which he does, and for who and what he is. And we should show forth his praise. It's wonderful when you can do that, isn't it? Hmm? And say, well, God did this and God did that. And the chap in the paper said, are you still growing? I said, yes. We're still growing. And they always like to hear defeat. That's what, you know, people always look for bad news, don't they? Christianity must be bad news, but I believe in the good news. And that's what we should be proclaiming to people. Of course the way is hard and you've got the odd little difficulty up the way, but when you really get into praise, God seems to set the enemy to flight, doesn't he? Hmm? And I feel that's what happened, that's what we had Sunday night for. Just a good lesson to us. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are they? We haven't sung that for a long time, have we? Do you remember? That chorus. We'll have to start singing that again. Remind ourselves. Amen. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. We should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now we should be to the praise of his glory. We should be the people who really set forth in such a way that people cannot help but praise God when they see what he's done. And that is one of the things that's wonderful about it. Um, I think it's obvious that people say uh, of um, what we've done, well, they're fine people, they do fine things. And they belong to OCF. Well, we belong to Christ. We do it because we're followers of the Lamb. Amen? That's why we do it. And we need to point people in him and say, well, it's because we're Christians. Hmm? And we want the praises to go unto him. God's intervened in our lives, therefore we do it differently because we don't do it for ourselves. Said to the newspaper man, he was so irritating, trying, he spent half an hour on the phone trying to dig up my... said, why don't you do something healthy like come down and see the place school in operation and write a nice article positively about how well it's doing? He said, well, I'd have to ask my editor whether it was a good story. I said, well, it is. I said, the bad story is being miserable. And it's good to be able to proclaim, we do it because we love God. Hmm? Okay, it's a bit of a sacrifice, it's difficult, sometimes tiring, well, so what? Should be spent for him, shouldn't we? Hmm? Well, shouldn't we? 
that's the way. Now, you say, well, how does that vary from good works? Well, because the attitude of heart somehow different. Uh, the good works person is a kind of person who's got a supercilious look on his face and walks about uh, with an air of, uh, and is ever so polite and uh, plumb in mouth and everywhere else. And, um, you know, has that kind of, well, everything I detest, really. Uh, my in-laws, one of the things about my in-laws, my wife had to put up with in her upbringing was you must enter a caring profession. What they meant by that is uh, they were brought up in the time, of course, when socialism was kind of considered to be intellectualism. And you remember in uh, about 60 years ago, all the universities were invaded with people who believed in the socialist doctrine. That's why you've got the Foots and the Healy's and, uh, and these awful people wandering around with their doctrinaire ideas. But because they were intellectually brainwashed in that era, you've got your blunts as well, you know, the, the people who would betray your country and your kindred. And they were intellectuals, you see. And you've got all the, the people. Now, that they did, but they did it for the wrong motive. They didn't do it because they saw Jesus, the Lord and Saviour, and they praised and worshipped him. They did it out of a humanistic attitude. And they hadn't really been set on fire by God. But when a people has been set on fire by God, what they do has a different kind of ring to it, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? There are people, I sat on a committee for a whole year with one woman. She does a lot of good works. <laughs> James chapter 1, verse 22. I thought better what I was going to say. Um, James chapter 1, verse 22. But you do know the type of person I mean, don't you? The proverbial pain. And the scripture says here, but be you doers of the word. Now it's James chapter 1, Verse 22. Epistle of James, chapter 1, verse 22. Are you all there? Scripture saith, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, you've got to be a doer. Now, you can be a hearer only, but God says you've got to be a doer. Now we've got to show forth his praise. Hmm? Haven't we? And God commands us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now, I can be someone who believes that everyone should praise. 
But what I need to know, and there are certain things I need to know, is when I should praise. I need to know where I should praise. I need to know how I should praise. And I need to know why I should praise. Four things. And I thought tonight I'd deal with the first two. In other words, when and where. Well, it's important you know when. Now, don't forget the scripture says that you're to be a what? A doer, not just a hearer. So, now, if the scripture says and tells you when you're to do it, what must you do? Huh? Do it. Okay. Now, when do you think you should praise? Fun? Well, how many do it? Right, now we're going to look at the scriptures, the whens. Okay, turn with me to Psalm 70. Now, obviously, we're talking about the tabernacle of David, and you'll remember that these psalms came prophetically uh, to them. Psalm seventy, that's seven O. All right, Jackie, have you got it? Psalm seventy. Now this could have been a very good psalm for us to have sung Sunday night. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame and say, Aha! Aha! Or, ah <laughs> Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let, us, let such as love thy salvation say continually, Let God be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God, thou art my help and my deliverer. O oh Lord, make no tarrying. In other words, God, 
I'm going to say continuously that God be magnified. What are we to show forth? His praises. In other words, we magnify the name of the Lord. Now, to magnify something means what? Make it big. You see? We're to lift up the Lord. We're to magnify him so that his bigness and greatness and majesty and awe fills our whole being. That's what magnifying the Lord means. Some of you need a microscope. God you've got, so small, you'd need a microscope. In fact, you'd need a, almost one of these electronic microscopes to see your faith. And the idea of your God too. We're to magnify him. Amen? Make him big. Isn't that wonderful? When are we to do it? Continually. Now that's, and if you turn to Psalm 71, now that's a good psalm when you're going out selling and you've had a bad day and you're just getting a little discouraged after the first person said no, your salesman. Read that psalm. Start magnifying God and go on with fresh hope. When you've gone into the classroom, Ted, and you've seen all the little snotty-nosed brats sitting there, none of them have done their homework, Psalm 70. When David's gone in and found he's mixed up the bust and hip sizes of all the dresses he's done, I nearly broke the business doing it. Psalm 17. When Albert goes into his surgery and realizes he's the one who's sick and his patients are all right. Psalm 70. When Jill gets to the coffee bar and finds it in a mess because the anglers have used it the night before. Psalm 70. See, you can, you can encourage your heart when George goes, you know, uh, George amused me. He really did. He, he built some stuff to test paint in his car park. Built in such a place that the sun never fell on it. Test how it was fading. Sunlight, wasn't it, George? Built it in the shadow. Sun never went there. That's one good thing about George's paint. It never faded. Never saw the sun either. It's what you call a good test. You guarantee results. You know, you can encourage yourself. You can start praising God. And when you begin to magnify God in your heart, problems get smaller. Hmm? Don't they? Now you can look at the problem and the problem looms larger and larger and you begin to worship God and suddenly the problem goes down and you magnify God. And what it does in magnifying the Lord is you change your perspective. Don't you? You know, uh, one of the things I have is a, a, a camera with a telescopic lens. And it, it's a great advantage because 
um, you can look through, and I did when I was in Israel, I used to look at things, and um, sometimes you get surprises. And um, <laughs> you can kind of zoom in on it and see it. In um, I won't tell you what surprises I had, but they weren't. One of, I got chased by an Arab once, trying to photograph his wife in the Dead Sea. And we'd got out, Robert and I, and I didn't know, you know, they go there for a health thing. And so we got out, and they, they weren't at a normal beach place, but I just wanted to take a photograph of someone floating in the Dead Sea, and it was a beautiful kind of scenery down to it. So I got out and got my telescopic lens and zoomed in, and suddenly she stood up, and I realized she'd got no clothes on, and an Arab was coming to me very quick and very angry with a big rock, and I knew that he wasn't going to say hello. <laughs> I tell you, Robert and I raced back for our car, and we were off down that road. Dear, oh dear. But there's one thing about a zoom lens. It changes your perspective. <laughs> if you understand what I mean. Once they're a little dot, and suddenly they're large. And I'll rephrase that. I, <laughs> I didn't quite. <laughs> you lot, honestly. <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh dear, Psalm 84. Uh, <laughs> no, it's Stone 71. What I meant was, you, you, it's good to laugh. Um. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> dear, oh dear, um, what I found was in Africa, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll leave that example alone. <laughs> Psalm 71 <laughs> verse 6 by thee <laughs> by thee <laughs> dear, oh dear. I'm sorry we'll have to get control of this <laughs> um, by thee have I been Holding up. Thou art he that took me. <laughs> Dear Father, I'm so sorry about that, you know. I <laughs> we must recover.
my praise shall be continually of thee. And we, we praise God continuously. And things take on a different perspective. <laughs> <laughs> the truth that I want to get over, <laughs> if we can stop, if we can stop laughing, is um, that you see things. <laughs> you see things either large or small. <laughs> No, I'm going to have to give this speech. <laughs> uh, I think you've all got a hold of the point, haven't you? <laughs> uh, I don't know how we got to this. <laughs> Could you manage to finish this? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, my praise should be, be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many. <laughs> you can bet that. But thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honour all the day. We're told all the day we're to be filled with praise to God. All the day, continuously. <laughs> and, you know, it's good when we can somehow <laughs> get into our hearts the idea of praise. <laughs> and <laughs> let's think of a different word. Um, <laughs> your whole... <laughs> The way you look at things is different. Um, I just can't think of another word for it. Your perspective changes. And you, you, find, you find that the thing that troubles you suddenly becomes very small. <laughs> and... and Yeah. I'm not going to be able to complete this meeting. <laughs> First meeting with a band and we laughed. medicine for the soul. <laughs> you need some. <laughs> um, in Psalm 84, we have these words. Um, verse 4. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They, they will be still praising thee. And that doesn't mean that you stand still when you're praising him. It means that you'll continually praise, all right? Not just stand still. Um, and in Ephesians chapter 5, 
all the day long it is there. Um, and in Ephesians chapter 5, let's flick there. I tell you, on our adventures in Israel, we've, we, we have funny experiences with Ed. Sometime, when we've got time, we'll show you the photographs. It's a shame. We didn't do slides, but if any of you want to see them, we've got nice albums of all the photographs we took in Israel and uh, in the States. And you're welcome any time to come around, and Ruth will show them to you and tell you all about them. Uh, the only thing is that don't all come at once because we didn't get slides because I determined one thing I wasn't going to do was start showing slides of where I've been to so I didn't take any so I can't show them and in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 it says and be not drunk with wine you remember we read this at the wedding and I trust that you all took the advice and you didn't drink much at the reception. It says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're to give thanks always. And one of the things that people don't do is give thanks always. One of the reasons why you find people go into bondage is because they just don't give thanks. Once you start praising God and thanking God, get into uh, a, a situation where you find defeat is staring you in the face and start thanking God for the victories you've had in the past. And you'll find that the, the pressure evaporates because, you see you begin to praise God in a positive fashion. And that is the way to live, by praising him continuously. As you spend your time praising God, you'll find the enemy can't get a foothold in your life. You can rout him. And it's, a, it's an attitude of praise. Singing and making that becomes spontaneous, doesn't it? And um, it grows in you and it keeps you. Now that is what we've got to learn to do. Sing and make melody in our hearts. When? Always. And it's something that's a joy. Great joy and great release. And it goes on, if you just um, flick on with me into Hebrews chapter 13. in verse 15 let us offer by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name 
And we need to see that the giving thanks, uh, the, the word there in the Greek is confessing to his name. And we've got to, it's got to be the fruit of our lips, giving credit to God, praising God. It's God that's done the things, isn't it? It's God who's our keeper. We do things because we're led of God to do them. We magnify his name and give him all the honor and all the glory. We thank him for what he has done. And as we begin to do that and give credit to God and praise to God, we find that we're offering the sacrifice that God expects. And we need to do it how often? Now, everyone's got to be not only a hearer of the word, but a... So what are you expected to do? Hmm? Praise God continuously. All right? All right? Now, if you've got to praise God continuously, you will find that the enemy has very little ability to get at you. And as you set your mind to praise God, you need to think of things to praise him for. Don't you? Now you can thank him for the way he's delivered you, the way he's met you, what he's done. The, and you, your mind and your heart can get full of thankfulness. But you'll find negative thoughts don't have a place. Because when negative thoughts come in, praise is shut off. And so you see, what happens is you begin to magnify and praise God. And you begin to praise him for his goodness, praise him for his glory, praise him for his wonderful works. Praise him for uh, his graciousness to you. Praise him for his deliverance in your life. Praise him for the way he's kept you. Praise him for the friends he's brought you. Praise him for the way he's enabled you to live. Praise him for the blessings he's put into your life. And you begin to become positive. And as you begin to become positive and you set your mind to it, you will find that your negative ways of thinking will suddenly get shut off. What you're doing is you're overriding negativism with praise. And one of the secrets of living a life in the spirit is to let your whole being be caught up with praise. You see, if you're a praising person, you'll never get depressed. You can't get depressed because there's not room. If you're a praising person, you won't get bowed down. There isn't room. If you're a praising person, you will find that your heart's always encouraged and you'll look on the positive side of things. And praise is a secret of life. That's why we're exhorted in the Old Testament and the New Testament to praise him continuously. It's for our welfare. And that's what we're called to do. And Hebrews makes it clear. Now it's the fruit of our lips. Now, that is fruit that your lips must produce, praise to God, continuously. Now, it's not praising God when you speak defeat or despondency. It's not praising God when you testify of misery. It's not praising God when you're negative. It's not praising God when you open your mouth and you say, oh, I don't know whether God's going to help me. I've oh, no. been like this for 78 years. 
and I'm going to be like it for 92. Uh, I mean, that's no praise to God or, you know, oh, I don't think I'm getting anywhere. Oh. People come and sit in my chair and say that. Of course they're not. They're sitting in the chair. Um, you, you know, you, you, your whole thoughts have got to become positive. God is wonderful, isn't he? Now, all of us have something to thank him for, don't we? Hmm? Hey, hasn't he been good to us in some realm of our lives? Right, start there. And think of one thing after another. And really set your heart to praise him. You'll find spiritual freedom in doing that. It's the way to spiritual liberty. So, well, I like a good cry. I want to be miserable. Well, you, you can cry tears of gratitude, but don't cry tears of misery. See, I don't mind people weeping before the Lord as long as they weep for the right reasons. You pour out your heart in love to him. But if we get all bound up in ourselves and think, oh dear, oh dear, uh, then we're weeping for self-pity. But there's a weeping where you just weep. You don't know why you're weeping when you're weeping. But you just your whole heart just wants to express love to God. And somehow the only way to express it sometimes is tears. Do you know what I'm talking about? Obviously there are times when you'll repent and uh, you've done something that you know you shouldn't and you need to get right with God and it brings tears to your eyes. And, um... That, that that's all right. But what I'm saying is, it's got to be praised continuously. Now you can get, if you go to repentance and repentance and cleansing and cleansing, but never get to the stage where you realize you've got to be a praiser and a worshiper continuously, then you'll end up despondent and discouraged. I sometimes go around and I pray for people. And I mean, that's enough to discourage anyone when they hear what I pray. Um, uh, but I pray as God leads me for their need now uh, that doesn't mean that you get so bound up with your need but obviously it's no good praying something that's not true over you is it but you see it's your attitude and your response to your need I can look at a need and say I believe God will meet that need for me I believe God will be faithful and do something. I believe God sees the need and he cares and loves me enough. And I begin to thank him for all that he's done in the past and begin to set my heart in faith to believe he'll take me through this. Now that's a positive attitude. Or I can become negative. Nothing worse than you meet people. How are you today? Oh, well, I'm terrible. And then they begin to relate their 20 different ailments. Living, some people live like it, they're always ill. But I tell you this, if you want to be healthy, start believing and praising God. You'll find your whole health will change. It's all in the mind, you know. It is, you can make yourself ill by thinking illness and sickness. A lot of people have got physical symptoms, but it's their mental state. If they really praised God, they'd get out of it. 
People come to me and say they're tired. Well, if they praised God, they wouldn't be. Because, you see, by working your mind, you can make yourself quite physically exhausted. You can convince yourself you're so exhausted you can't do anything. Or you can start praising God and you find God will quicken your body. Depends what way you want to go. Now, God's trying to teach us how to live and walk in the Spirit. All to do with attitudes. Now, God says we're to praise him continuously. Now, that's for our well-being. You want to be healthy, don't you? Well, stop testifying to defeat and despondency and, and uh, whatever else it is and start praising God and you will find your whole metabolism changes. Say, so, well, how can that be? Well, it just is the way it is. I don't understand it, in a sense, but I know that God says do it. And I know that when I do it, then my whole being changes. There's a certain joy that arises within your heart. And it's amazing how when you're really happy, nothing's too much trouble. Everything becomes so much easier to do when you're happy, doesn't it? When you're really happy, you can do a lot more than when you're sad. And you have to be happy to praise. And when you praise, you become happy. Because you become positive. And you begin to see things in the right perspective. And, and your whole being just gets full of joy. And that is one of the secrets and the keys to the Christian life. But it's one thing that we so easily forget. You get uh, very introspective. You begin to examine yourself. You look down in a meeting and you, know, you begin to go into worship and how many people bow their heads and all they can see is defeat. But if you praise God and begin to magnify him in your heart and believe, begin to believe God for victory, you will discover very, very quickly there is victory. And you'll find that faith begins to build in your heart. See, what you need is faith to get victory in your problems. But by actually looking at a problem and thinking it's worse and worse and God must deliver you, and else, that doesn't help, does it? In fact, you get up and the problem's more strong after you get up than before you pray. Whereas if you go with a praise attitude, you'll find God quickens faith. Do you understand what I mean? Now that is why praise is such an essential part. Sickness, I'd say 70% of it, probably 80%, maybe 85% in the mind. You convince yourself to be ill. Now, I'm not saying all sickness, I'm saying, but basically, I would say, obviously, if you get a bug and um, you find that you're being sick and, and you know, it's a, it's a disease, uh, and you work it out in a few days, that's for one thing. But if you're continuously ill, then I would, I would question whether there's not something basically int intrinsically wrong in your attitude. 
Either there's something medical or it's mental. Now, I don't mean in any other sense than it's in the mind. You can, you can get victory by praising the mind. Obviously, if you've got physical, some, some infection, then you need medicine to heal it. And, and you'd be wise to take it. And you ought to see Albert. But um, if you're finding that there's nothing basically there, then it's, it's really to do with attitudes and the wellspring and in your soul. And that's all to do with praise. Now, if you pay the price and begin to praise continuously and think positively and live positively, you'll find you'll be out of your problem in no time at all. The same way if you find defeat constantly coming and depression coming, I guarantee you, you take a different attitude. Stop testifying to your misery and start magnifying God. You will find a very different attitude. Start when... Thoughts come in that bombard you, start singing and making melody in your heart to God, praising God, and override the thoughts that attack your mind with positive thoughts to God, magnify him, make him the center of your attention, and very quickly you'll find that after a little bit of a battle that you will get the victory. And you can maintain that victory in that life. Amen? Now, isn't that what you want? Who wants to, you know, be friends with misery? Some people, you meet them and they come along and you see them coming down the road and they're like a depression area. I meet some people and I guarantee that no matter what circumstance they're involved in, they've got a problem. Some people create problems in their mind. And yet there are no problems, really. You can take an attitude, you can think. And I, I get called out, people will think devious things about other people, and they come and say, um, well, I was talking to so-and-so, and they said so-and-so, and you mean that means so-and-so, and so-and-so. And, and when I get off the phone, I think, oh, I don't know. Now, it doesn't happen very often, but... So I don't think it's everyone rings me up and talks about you, because it's obviously true. Um, but... <laughs> I find when I put the phone down, I, I, I find my spirit begins to think that's not right because it's unsettled. You know, I find it uh, uh, uneasy in my spirit and I begin to get hold of God and say, Lord, you know, I don't feel happy with that. It causes me disquiet. But if we're positive and we have a positive attitude, we can live above it. When I go to bed, I, I don't think, oh dear, there's this person in the church and that person in the church. They're going to do this and they're going to do that. I mean, I, I live with praise and quite frankly, when I don't see you, I forget you. I hope you don't think that when I travel around the world, I'm thinking of you all the time. I'm not. I mean, you're, you're Peter's problem then. I just turn it off. Um, and... Um, that's why he's gone so tall and thin. Um, <laughs> growing to get away. Um, I, I find that you, you, I just turn off. And you see, my mind is full of God, and I magnify God and my heart attitude. But I've got a wife who does the worrying for me. <laughs> She'll wake me up three o'clock in the morning and say, what about so-and-so? I can't sleep. And then I'll talk to her and encourage her, get her 
to set our heart and mind on the Lord and she'll go to sleep and I'll be left awake for the rest of the night. That's what you have wives for. Um, it's true, you ask her. I always know when I'm woken up at two o'clock in the morning with a mug of tea. No, that's the end of my sleep. When she's happy, she goes to sleep and I'm left awake. Because <laughs> once I'm awake like that, I don't go back to sleep, so I just get up and read. But the, the thing is, you, we have to realise that we can turn off and our whole minds and mentality can be brought onto a positive vein. And we need to live that way. And God says we're to praise him continually. Now that is a command of God. Now it's not a habit of our life naturally, is it? It's something that we come into. And all I'm trying to explain to you is for your health's sake, for your spiritual health's sake, and for your life's sake, you must praise God continually. That's how you grow. The sacrifice of praise. Now that is the sacrifice we give to God in this day. In the new covenant, our sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The fruit of your lips must be praise to his name. That's what God wants. So when we come together, we come to praise. When we go home, we praise. Wherever we are, we praise. Always, ever, praising him. Amen? How many of you do it? You see, now you know why you, you don't really get through spiritually. It's why when we get a meeting where like we go into high praises like we did on Sunday night uh, you can ride on the crest of a wave for a little while can't you? It's rather like the surfers you know riding on the crest of a wave uh, and suddenly the praise stops and down their board goes and so do they crash. They vanish into it. Um, but we have to learn how to live on the crest. Learn how to live in praise. Learn how to praise his name. When? So what must you do? Praise God continually. And I want to go on to the second thing is where we praise him. It's good to know where. And if you turn with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Where? Okay, one of the things that is important is when we come together is that we praise God. Now you will find you can get released in praise uh, in the midst of the congregation. 
there's one thing that's easy. You can be very depressed, you can be very bowed down, and you get in amongst other people who really can praise God, and your spirit's lifted by the others. You can't lift yourself, but they lift you. And um, that shouldn't be, but it is, until you learn to grow in God, and until you learn to walk in God, and therefore you need to praise God in the midst of the congregation. Now, it's no good standing there with a bottom lip all kind of curled out and looking miserable and, you know, I'm not going to praise God anyway. You've got to open up and praise. All right? In the midst of the congregation, you get in there, it doesn't matter what you feel, start praising. You will find the feelings come as you open up in faith to God. That's the way you get involved. And in Psalm 35, Psalm 35 and verse 18. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Where are you going to do it? That's right. Uh, and the word much there is strong. Among strong people. And there's something about strength you get from praise, isn't there? Hmm? Have you noticed that when you've really been to a meeting where the whole thing's gone in real praise, how much easier it is to walk and live? Hmm? That's because we need the congregation. We need to be amongst brethren who live and praise God. I find it far easier to live in victory if I'm with people in the fellowship than if I go off somewhere and go to a place of misery. I mean, it's far easier to live a spiritual life with people who really love God and praise God, isn't it? Hmm? You want to be with that type of person. You don't want to be with the depression people, do you? Eh? And um, in uh, Psalm 149... Psalm 149, verse 5 says, Let the saints be joyful in glory, let them sing aloud upon their beds. And um, it's a good place to do it, sing aloud upon your bed. Now, in the home, as well as in the congregation, you normally don't bring your bed to the church. Although some people who are getting on a bit seem to think they've brought their bed to the church. In other words, you do it in your home, don't you? Hmm? Verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the saints. And in verse 5, it's, Let the saints be joyful in glory, let them sing aloud upon the bed. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and two-edged sword in their hands. Now you can do that at home. So you, not only do you do it in, in the church, you do it in the home. Uh, verse, uh, Psalm, let's see, Psalm 100. Have a look at Psalm 100. 
Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Amen. In other words, you're coming in with a, uh, entering the gates with praise. Your whole being should be praise to God. And you come into the presence of God through praise. All right? And uh, Psalm 34. Verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And so there's a togetherness. Now, it's impossible for someone to go to a praise meeting about once a month or once a week and expect to live in victory. I need to be where God's people are and I need to spend time with God's people. That's why it says, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together as a manner of summies. If I'm going to live in victory, I need to live with a praising people. That's why a church must become a community a congregation and we live together and we share our lives together more and more because of the necessity of living together uh, you need to be encouraged to praise God don't you hmm? you meet people you can talk about the Lord you can share about the things of God I mean it's something that's necessary you can share about his victories I mean, Fred came to paint my wardrobe. I've just had a wardrobe put in the new bedroom. Fred came to paint it today. He didn't get very far. Um, he worked hard, but, I mean, you know, it says it's going to take him three days. I don't know what he's going to do. But there we are. Um, tells me it's a hard job, does Fred? I believe him. I sat and watched him for a little while. Um, got quite tired. But... The, the thing is, you begin to talk, and I could share with Fred, and I said, you know, God was good, how he, he really rousted the enemy, put him to flight. And you begin to share, and your heart gets warmed, and you can begin to praise God, and you get onto a positive vein on the good things that God's done. Amen? And we can all share good things that God's done for us, can't we? Things we've seen happen, maybe for other people. And you soon start praising God that way. All right? Then we go on to uh, Romans chapter 15.
that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I've got to do it with what? One mind, one mouth. All right, now it's no good me coming along to a meeting and everyone else starts singing like we did this evening. Amen. Blessing, honor, glory. And not entering in. I've got to open my mouth with one mind. All right? One mouth, one mind. Glorify God. In other words, though we're many, we've got to sing and sing the same thing. And when everyone begins to really sing it, you know, I used to use the expression, we don't want any holy cows in the church with a sanctimonious look. I can't stand it. Uh, what we want is people to sing. One mouth, one mind. In other words, something's being sung by the congregation. Well, we're in the midst of the congregation to join with the congregation. You came there to be a part of the whole, not to be in your own little fantasy world. So you sing. It's one thing, people with strong voices should always blend in with everyone else. When we come to sing in the congregation, it's something important to learn. We come to sing not to be noticed, but to be blending in. That's why if you start, uh, you find singers will come along, you know, and think they sound beautiful singing high or singing something else, and you stand near them, they're a pain. I mean, we come to sing as a congregation. Now, when a congregation sings, everyone blends in. Uh, you don't start trying to sing parts. Just sing in tune. <laughs> or nearly. Uh, you're singing to be one mouth and one voice and one mind. See? All of us sing that way. And it's important we see. We're there to praise God not to draw attention to our abilities. And um, when they got into the tabernacle before the Ark of God, they all began to sing as one. It's the way it should be. Amen? Obviously you have a leader of the song who sings so people can hear him, so we give him a microphone. Basically he's only singing the same thing. You understand that? Okay, you get into high praises, we all sing something different, that's fine. But when we're singing a song, we sing it together. Alright? Otherwise you get confusion. So understand that. John Wesley used to go around and stop people if they started singing extremely loud or, or high or low because he saw that that was wrong. And I agree with him. There you are. Okay, uh, now Psalm 40. Back in the Psalms, Psalm 40. This was to the chief musician, a psalm of David, sang in the tabernacle of God before the Ark of the Covenant. Tabernacle of David. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. 
He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Amen? And that is what you can do. There's so many good things God's done, so many things that he's graciously bestowed upon us that we couldn't reckon them up in number. So we need to start praising God, don't we? Amen? Now it says that we do it before people who are going to fear and trust in the Lord. So we do it before unbelievers. There's, I don't like going into worship when unbelievers are there or people as strangers walk into the church. Then it's better to keep the meeting in praise, you see. Generally what I do. But praise brings fear. People see and they know this, you've got something. They don't know what it is, but they know you've got it. And your praise and your whole attitude can be right before unbelievers. There's nothing wrong with praising God before unbelievers. There's a lot wrong with worshipping God before unbelievers. They won't understand. But praising God, no problem. Um, I feel I want to stop there. Okay, I'll go on. I just feel that's enough. Uh, I'll go on on uh, Thursday night. But I just, I'm going to stop there. Father, we just thank you for your words. and Lord, we thank you for your truth. Open our hearts to see and to understand, O oh God. Lord, that we're to praise thee continuously, that we're to come before thee with thanksgiving, that we're to rejoice in thee, we're to thank you for your wonderful deliverances to us. We're to thank you, O God, for the liberty you've given us. We thank you, O God, for the victory you gave us last night. We thank you, O Lord, for your glory and your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you've saved us and brought us out of a horrible pit. Thank you, Lord, that you set your hand upon us. Lord, that you've caused our feet to dance. Lord, thank you that you're ever drawing us to yourself. Lord, keep each one. Draw each one, O God, and make us doers of your word and not hearers only. Teach us, O God, how to continually praise thee. Lord, write it in our hearts and in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I just felt I should stop there. When I feel I should stop, praise God, I stopped.